Hello and welcome to a CM Murray podcast, live from our inaugural event of the International Forum of Senior Executive Advisors, IFSI, a membership group for professional advisors around the world who specialise in advising senior executives and founders. My name is Pooja Dasgupta and I'm an associate at CM Murray. I have six fabulous expert speakers here today who will be discussing the highlights from their panel discussion on negotiating service agreements and incentive equity agreements for senior executives and founders moving to a new role. Joining me today, we have Beth Hale of CM Murray, the moderator of the session, partner specialising in employment and partnership law. We have Michelle Stutz of MME Legal, a partner who heads the firm's employment team there. We have Inez Anderson of Smith & Williamson LLP, partner and head of Smith & Williamson's employment tax incentives team. We have Carl Frederick Hedenstrom from Morris Law AB, and he practices in the areas of labour law and international commercial transactions. We have Charles Wynne Evans, employment partner at DECA LLP. And finally, we have Neil Jacobs from Jacobs Law Group in the USA. Uh, And Neil is managing attorney of the Jacobs Law Group, and his practice focuses on complex corporate business and litigation matters. So uh, now I'll hand over to Beth to ask some questions uh, to our panellists on on the discussion that they've just had. Thanks, Pooja. So um, the first question I'm going to ask each of you is what were your key takeaways from the session? What what the key things that you learned or that you think the audience ought to have taken away from it? So I'm going to start with you, Neil, if that's all right. Sure. Well, so uh, I think the key point is to get the documents right, Mm -hmm. uh, examine them for consistency, and try and think of all the ways that those documents are going to be interpreted in the future, whether it's in a termination as a good lever, uh, termination as a bad lever, and the impact on the restricted stock units and all the other documents that may arise in that kind of setting. It's consistency and making sure there's no conflicts. And Carl, any thoughts from a Swedish perspective? Well, I, I think I'll just add on to that, that you have a jurisdictional issue, naturally, that we discussed a lot about having a local employment contract and then maybe incentive programs in some other jurisdiction, and that might lead into to problems for when those incentives programs are going to be sort of triggered or, or not. So I think that was a good takeaway from the discussion. Yeah. And Inez, you talked about the importance of documentation and I know that's a lawyer's favourite thing, but from a, from a tax specialist, it, it also has some importance. Yeah, I think it's really important that the documentation does set out and clearly um, that everybody understands what is meant. And I think it's important the documentation is put in at day one, especially from an equity incentive arrangement. Otherwise, it could have some big tax implications down the line. So tax is exciting, but the documentation is really important. Michelle? I think one of my takeaways is the fact that particularly in case of a dispute when changing to a new role, that you look at the jurisdictional and choice of law clause and these issues from all angles because it's per, uh, it's possible that a, a perfect, perfectly uh, clear uh, for feature clause, for example, is valid under the laws of one country but then doesn't uphold in another country. Absolutely. And Charlie? Well, I think we're all agreed that it's getting the documentation right and looking at all the angles, but I think in terms of negotiating an, ex- an entrance into a business, it's clarifying what you really need to focus on in the negotiation to avoid picking unnecessary battles, um, given that you might have a situation where documentation is standard and non-negotiable on all or certain points. It's choosing your battles and making sure you negotiate them back points that really matter to your client. And that 
feeds into one of the points we discussed quite a lot in the session, which is the sort of balancing that you want to get the best deal for your client, you want to be getting the best commercial deal for them and the best legal deal for them, but also you've got to bear in mind that you're going to have an ongoing business relationship and an ongoing working relationship. And I think you made a really good point, Charlie, about be careful what you demand because that may be thrown back at you later. Absolutely. It was, it was an experience I had as a, as a young lawyer, at first time I acted for a chief executive. Still a young lawyer, obviously. I'm still <laughs> reading from the fact that in Sweden, the last in, first out is allowed. Yes. It's not age discrimination, but there you go. Uh, but so far as um, uh, the first time I acted for a chief executive going into a business, he looked at the contract, made X, Y, and Z demands, and the chairman sat there and said, We're bringing you in to revamp the business to bring in your own team you're going to be sitting where I'm sitting soon enough are you going to say to the people you want to hire I want A, B and C um, and he, he and probably I were schooled by that it was a really interesting experience to how to you know, be sensitive to what you're asking for and the context you're doing that in. And I think that's really true that quite often in, in negotiations a, a, an employer will say well we can't give you that because we haven't given it to other people and can, actually consistency is important and that, while that might seem like a sort of negotiating strategy, it's actually true that you, you need to bear in mind that the senior people, while they should be getting some better, you know, they might, they might be negotiating some better provisions. It's not necessarily, you know, you don't want to... But it can be it. something to hide behind if you're the employer. Yeah. It may not be a justifiable answer, it all depends. Yeah, it depends. And you want to push beyond it, probably, as a <laughs> And then actually we have cultural issues there. We, we might not mention that during the, during the seminar, actually, but I was thinking about it, that... If you have a negotiation between a Swedish and a U.S. counterpart, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, the Swedish counterpart will very often seek not to have a uh, dis- or, or don't want to argue that hardly because we don't like conflicts. You don't mind conflicts as much, you know. You're, 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 you're no, not in that sense. It's not negatively speaking. True that. I'm yeah. just, I'm we, just, we, we can shake hands in any way afterwards. For the podcast, I'm just smiling. Accepting the In Sweden, we're absolutely terrified about conflict we will back away and that means that in those negotiations there might be that the Swedish party will take some things for granted while the other party will stick to the contract while we have a culture where you sort of say well what was the intention of the parties we don't really care that much about the four corners of the contract we look at what was sort of the will of the parties and that's the way the court will view it as well and that can become a problem then in the later stages in litigation what was actually agreed upon and that links back to something you said in the session, and it's about the contract not being the be-all and end-all, and actually tax authorities looking beyond what it says in the contract. And I think that's right. It's back to, what, in reality, what's actually happened, um, and that's what the tax rules are going to be around, not what it says in the piece of paper. Um, and I think also, just to, to add on that, um, I think something that is often forgotten, and we didn't raise it necessarily, is if you, you have a contract which is written taking into account somebody's going to be working in one country, you then send them overseas and you don't necessarily get the contract back out to look at it. You just negotiate what their secondment agreement would be and what the monetary value is, and it's not going back to look at that contract, and I think that's really important. Yeah, I think we often see people who have moved abroad and then never had their contract changed, and that sort of makes for difficulties on exit, for sure. Totally. Um, Michelle, any other sort of key tips you have from the session? Um, I think we said you have to look at each from each angle at these issues. So I think an executive has to have an advisor who has a good international network who can analyze these questions in a speedy and 
particularly yeah. cost-effective way, like Inongard executives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good plug. Good plug. <laughs> <laughs> Little product placement. <laughs> Absolutely, always crucial. Um, and cultural issues, we talked a little bit, a little bit about at the end there, Neil, of the session about sort of yes. how you see particular clauses being placed in the contract because of particular cultural sensitivities. We've seen that on on one occasion um, where there was a clause about cultural sensitivity, uh, where an individual was highly concerned about being denigrated and being his esteem being reduced in the eye of a third party observer. Um, I've never seen that clause before or since, but I think it's a very interesting uh, example of what can be uh, sensitive to an individual depending on where their culture, you know, their, on their uh, culture of origin. Um, and so we as lawyers need to be aware of those things. Um, and if we're not familiar with the individual's background or culture, we need to make an effort to understand the person and to find out what is important to that person before we finalise the agreement, we make sure that agreement reflects those important terms. Yeah, because I think we tend to assume that, that the important thing is where the money is and what the sort of, what, yeah, what well, the commercial deals are. But actually, yeah. it, you know, there are lots of other things that are important to different people. So, so it's bearing in mind your particular client and what their particular needs are. Charles talked about being schooled by uh, a CEO in the negotiations. I was schooled as well by an older lawyer when we were negotiating a business deal. And where we're having a dispute over the money and as he said this is not my statement, this is his, if anyone gets offended I'll let you know who the person is later cash in hand is the noblest work of God and I, 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 that saying has just stuck with me over 35 years of practicing and uh, just had to get it in there <laughs> I like it well that's been really really useful and really interesting and I think the cultural issues are just fascinating and we could go on for hours but I think yeah. that is probably all we have time for. So that is, you're probably right, Beth. And I think I'll just finish off by saying thank you to Beth, Michelle, Charles, Neil, Carl, Frederick and Inez for what has been a very interesting discussion. Um, if you have any questions in relation to any of the issues that have been discussed, please do feel free to get in touch always. Um, and if you've enjoyed this podcast, which we hope you have, uh, please like and share the podcast by visiting www.cmurray.com forward slash where you'll also be able to find out about how to join the forum, should you so wish. Um, So thanks again for listening. Thank you.